Hello, hello, Heat Nation. Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, the Miami Heat podcast for the OTG Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to bring you the latest on our favorite NBA team. And the latest, Miami on a three-game win streak, looking to cap off a homestand before going on their brutal seven-game Western road trip. But backtrack to that first part, though. Yeah, 3-0, perfect week. Also coincides with getting Tyler Hero back. Coincidence? I'll leave that up to you. But for now, um, first up was a game against the Pacers. This is one that could have potentially had some ramifications further on down the line, provided that like the Pacers got their shit together and the Heat lost their shit even more. But as an outside threat, it was still an area of concern. And yeah, Miami put those concerns to rest pretty quickly and might have potentially put to rest the Pacers' season as a whole. They look like a team very much going towards a rebuild at this point. And yeah, unless they pull something out within the next few weeks, that that's probably just going to be the case. But that's for uh, Pacers podcast to go over for the Heat side of things. Yeah, this game, absolute beatdown just from start to finish. There was a little bit of scuffle at the beginning of the game. Miami took over and just rode it for the rest of the, rest of the way to a 125-96 to victory. Should probably start off with that one. That kind of emphasizes from the start just kind of a what a whooping this was. But yeah, for this one, like there's not a lot to really dive into. It was that that kind of whooping. But at least we'll highlight some players from Miami here. Uh, Duncan Robinson absolutely shot tremendously. Uh, finished with 26 points, one rebound, one assist. Uh, went 10 of 16 from the field, but a blistering hot six of 10 from three. Um, and of those 26 points he got, he got 18 of them in the first half. So he came out shooting, came out aggressive. It worked. Uh, the shot was falling. Love to see it because, again, every every great shooting game you see from Duncan Robinson, not only is that confidence, that's also trying to get that, se- that season average back closer to career average, which, yeah, it's a ceiling raiser for the team. But uh, that's all in the future. Still focusing on this one. Uh, Tyler Hero, like I said, he made his debut, his return from that uh, thigh contusion he got. I think it was in Cleveland, regardless. Uh, Hero came back, matched Robinson, 26 points. Uh, with one rebound, five assists on 8 of 17 from the field, 5 of 8 from 3, and 5 of 6 from the free throw line. So not quite as efficient from Robinson, but made up for it with really good three-point shooting. And then, yeah, of course, getting to the line a a few times. He picked up where Robinson left off in the second half. So Robinson, 18 points first half. Hero had 15 of his 26 in the second half. And just, yeah, between the two of them just being flamethrowers from deep, the it was a big reason why the Pacers were just out of this game after the first quarter. And then finishing it up, Kyle Lowry, 8 points, 11 rebounds, 12 assists. So he got the double-double with rebounds and assists. Just shy of the triple-double, but that's fine. Lowry's not that kind of player for that kind of stuff. Um, it's kind of like a Draymond Green stat line to me. Uh, I remember there's infamously one, one game Draymond Green got, uh, I think, a quadruple-double, and he missed out on the quintuple-double because of points which is very Draymond Green-esque. So Lowry kind of channeling that as well with, um, yeah, 11 rebounds, 12 assists. A lot of those assists were setting up threes and just easy buckets at the, at the rim, but um, not as efficient, obviously, from a scoring perspective. But that's fine when the rest of the team is picking up. Lowry finished 3-9 from the field, 0-5 from three, 2-3 from the line. So, yeah, some ghastly shooting, especially from deep, but did not come back to bite Miami in this primarily because as a team, the Heat shot 22 of 49 from three. 
That's good for 45% on almost 50 attempts a game. That's just such insane shooting. I think we saw them, I know one of the previous games of the previous weeks, they they also got 22. I think it was 22 on 47 instead, something like that. Um, but point is, it matches the franchise record. It's happened twice in this month which again goes to that emphasis of this team is winning but is shooting the shit out of the ball from deep but yeah 22 49 this game so outside of the robinson here we already mentioned uh, max Struess 4 12 so good definitely got good volume up there not quite as efficient gave vincent you know right in the middle three of eight good efficiency good volume uh, but like i said overall it just ended up being a blowout win for miami what a way to start off a homestand after that, the Heat hosted the Pistons, who had just beaten them last Sunday in a game that the Pistons were just begging the Heat to take from them. Uh, they did not have that problem this time around, though. The Pistons, to their credit, made this a really close game. Um, but yeah, they hosted the Pistons on Thursday, a game they won 115-112. Uh, it came down to the wire, pretty much came down to near the end it was tied up actually no sorry it wasn't tied up the heat were down seven at the time and then kyle lowry was just able to take over for a little bit so we'll start there so yeah kyle lowry 21 points four rebounds six assists went nine of 15 from the field two of five from three so solid efficiency there 101 for the free throw line but really for him it came down to the heat being down in the fourth quarter and kyle lowry just deciding he's going to go to the rim almost like butler-esque and it worked he got five points on his own and then tyler hero followed by uh max Struess, both drilled threes that essentially sealed the game for miami so phenomenal game from lowry even though he didn't quite get to his usual like assists per se but he was the key to starting that final run that won miami the game but the player that actually gave miami the lead during that run tyler hero Finished with a blistering hot 29 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists. The dude just throws up points like it's nothing. He's a walking bucket. Um, did that on 11 of 21 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, and 4 of 5 from the free throw line. He had 20 points in the first half, so most of his damage was done early on. Then he cooled off. But most critically, 3 of those points came on a just bonkers play. Time's running down. He's just dribbling the ball along the right wing. Just rises up with the defender draped all over him. No business doing that. Drains it. Dude's just a walking bucket. Gives Miami the lead. And then, to cap off that run and to seal Miami's win, Max Struess, who, personally, I, I tend to view him in... Obviously, he's not the same player as Robinson, but I view him in that he fulfills a similar role to Robinson, which is to primarily run around on offense and shoot the three a ton with confidence. Had that going for him that game. 26 points, 6 rebounds, 1 assist on 10 of 18 from the field, 5 of 11 from 3, 1 of 1 from the free throw line. Dude chipped in 10 points in the first quarter, so between him and Hero, they were just lining it up at the beginning of the game. So cool, had some spots here and there, but then it came down to a corner three, was passed out to him, he nailed it, uh, and that caps off Miami's winning run. They win the game against a really bad Pistons team, but it doesn't matter. They're still missing half their roster, and arguably the better half of their roster. So every win is just a reason for celebration at this point, especially when the Heat actually slightly deviated from what was helping them win games, which, like I've, we've talked about a ton, is the three-point shooting. 
So this game, they only went 12 or 32 so they, from three. It's good for 37.5%, so it's, that's you know solid accuracy. But it's below the accuracy that they normally are at. So it's not like they were overcompensating by making a ton of threes. We saw that in one of the games previously where they were just shooting so efficiently they didn't need the volume up. But they were not shooting very well. Um, actually, yeah, at one point they were 10 of 30, shooting 33%. Until uh, Hero and Struess hit those last two threes. So, bad shooting game overall, which usually is the indicator that they're going to lose a game. Um, but yeah, outside of the players we already talked about for this, uh, bad game for Duncan Robinson, unfortunately. 0 of 5 from 3. Not quite great for Vincent either. 1 of 4. So, they weren't getting much help from those two, unfortunately. Not, uh, neither in volume nor accuracy. But they had enough... And between, yeah, like I said, between Lowry starting the run, Hero getting the lead, and then Struess capping it off, they had enough to secure the win. Always would rather win ugly than lose pretty. Before moving on to the last game, though, just real quick, uh, Dwayne Dedman did suffer a sprained knee injury in the first quarter, I believe, of this game. So, yeah, another injury for Miami. It made it feel like it was going to be a night Miami was destined to lose, but they pulled it out in the, in the end. Uh, going into the game Sunday, though, uh, there was some bad news beforehand on late Christmas. Uh, Kyle Lowry entered health and safety protocol, so they knew where they were going to be without Lowry, as well as Deadman. So it was looking quite bleak, even if it was a bad Magic's team. But we got some good news about an hour or so before the game. Jimmy Butler back, finally. Um, and it helped. This is a game that was an ugly game, but Miami won it 93-83. So the score already tells you that we're not going to have a lot of high point totals. Miami ended up not having a single player that at least scored 20 points in this game. That's how that's how bad it was, just like all around, really. Um, Jimmy Butler, though, still led the way. His first game back, 17 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists. They got the double-double, but didn't really shoot too well. 5 of 14 from the field. Took a 3-pointer, but missed it. Uh, still, though, did his usual damage from the line, 7 of 9, so that part was immediate. But um, watching him, though, he definitely seems healthier than he was earlier. I believe it was in, in that game he was against the Grizzlies. But he wasn't quite moving around at full speed. Still looked like he was holding a little bit back. Fortunately, it was the Magic. He didn't have to drive in too hard. Uh, I think he took one potentially bad fall, but he popped right back up afterwards. So it looks good. So uh, cautiously optimistic about this but uh, glad that he's back uh, Miami needed somebody to just kind of like steer the ship especially with now Lowry down as well but Butler stepped up kept himself healthy and got Miami the win that's the best part helping him in the points department Caleb Martin 17 points five rebounds zero assists on efficient 7 of 11 from the field 2 of 5 from 3 so that three-pointer oh that's right I forgot Caleb Martin also came back too but, yeah, 2 of 5 from 3. Three-pointers looking pretty good for him. 1 of 3 from the line. Um, but, yeah, came back. Instant energy. He looked good. Had a few dunks. Fantastic to see. And then rounding out who, like, the big contributors for this game, Omir Yurtseven in his first NBA start as a rookie. A lot of injury concerns, but he still did it. He stepped up, and he did his job. 17, sorry, not 17, 16 points. 15 rebounds, 2 assists, so got the double-double two. Pretty efficient, 8 of 15 from the field, 0 of 2 from the line. But really what stood out was his impact on the boards. We'll get a little bit more into that. Uh, but just to wrap up this game, the overall, this was also a game that the Heat 
for the second game in a row, did poorly from three, but was able to find a way to win. 10 of 34 from three to finish the game. That's good for 29%. And, yeah, it was just bad shooting nights all around. Duncan Robinson, two of eight. Uh, Vincent, solid, three of eight. Struess, mm, three of nine. And then Hero, 0 for one. Oh, that's right. Hero did get a double technical. Uh, first one, he, he got into it with one of the players, but... It was an early technical, which became a bit of a problem because now he had to li- had that lingering over him for the rest of the game. The second one, though, honestly, was like a little little bullshit. Like the so hero committed a foul, and you'll usually see this where players will just kind of like throw their hands up as they're moving out of the way. And I guess the ref just had something up his ass and gave hero the second technical. But uh, Hero finished 0 of 1, very limited overall b- because of the fouls and the and then getting ejected near the end of the third quarter. Um, but still, Miami secured the win. That's the most important part. The Heat now are 3-0 and on their homestand as they have the Wizards up next to finish it off. But before we get to that, though, let's go over just a few topics. The biggest one for Miami right now, obviously, being the rotation shuffle. So and to recap, currently, Markeith Morris is still out. Um, from the the injury against the Nuggets, all that drama and stuff, but he is still out because of the injury. Banamabio is still out recovering from thumb surgery, and Oladipo is still out because of the surgery he had in the offseason as well. And yeah, no timetable is on their return. Miami is, is kind of like that, unfortunately. We just learned to live with it. But moving on from that, so those three, you know, still out. No idea when they'll get be back. Probably could be another few weeks at the very least. Dwayne Dedman went down in the Pistons game with a knee sprain, so he is listed as being out for one to two weeks. So most likely, I would imagine, I don't. Th- I would be surprised if he went with the team on the trip. Well, actually, I, I take that back. I wouldn't be because he's their starter if he goes with them. So he could make an appearance somewhere on the road trip, but I wouldn't be surprised if they just leave him out until the Heat are done with it because they literally start this road trip after tonight. So we'll see about him. Uh, P.J. Tucker, who injured his knee the previous week, is currently listed as out for Tuesday, but that's the extent of it. They haven't said whether he would be back during the road trip. I would have to imagine so. Originally, he was listed as day-to-day, so I would think that like maybe he'll go on the road trip. He should. Uh, and if he's, if he's there and available, it could help to affect the way Miami's big rotation is. Because, yeah, currently they have to deal with both missing their starting center, Bam Adebayo, and their backup center, Dwayne Dedman. So now everything is, is trying to be shuffled around to figure out how, to, how you plug that hole. So currently it's being Amir Yurtseven, who has done a really great job stepping up, uh, both in a backup and now starting role, such as the first game against the Magic. Uh, last five games, he is averaging nine points, 13 rebounds, one assist, not great efficiencies, 44% from the field. He's attempted some threes, but hasn't made any uh, 50% from the free throw line. They're on very small volume. So not great efficiency, but he is making a presence on the boards. And that's the big thing. He's getting about a third of his points right now, just some second chance points. So both doing it on the offensive end and the defensive end. And it's helping to like prop up Miami's rebounding just as a team, which is really suffering when you're missing Deadman, Adebayo, Morris, Tucker, you know, etc. I mean, they got Butler back, who's one of their big rebounders, so that'll also kind of help as well. But Amir Yurtseven, very impressed. He's he's shown a like uh, almost like Whiteside level ability for glass cleaning specifically. 
doesn't quite he's not getting trouble doubles with blocks or anything like that but he is cleaning the glass in a similar sense of just i'm really tall kind of got good positioning and he looks like he's developing a bit of a knack for sniffing out like which directions to go uh, to grab the rebounds and he's carving himself a role a valuable role and a productive one for a heat team that is just looking for everything they can to keep cobbling wins together but if you have P.J. Tucker back, one of the things that we, we saw earlier in the month was Spo trying a combo of P.J. Tucker and KZ Akpala, technically putting KZ at the five, but keeping Tucker in there not only to help mentor Akpala, but to kind of be a, a, a potential small ball center to switch with him if those kind of situations arise. So if Tucker comes, obviously he can't do the same thing with, like KZ can't do the same thing with, say, Omir and... Uh, you know, because Omir is a rookie himself. So if we get PJ Tucker back, like during the early part of this road trip, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing maybe some more minutes. Maybe have something like Yurt is the starter, but then KZ is the backup five off the bench, and then you kind of try to pair him with PJ just because that pairing seemed to have worked. KZ is already probably going to be the backup center because uh, I did forget to mention this: the Magic game. Udonis Haslam, the goats. Mr. 305 came in and was the backup center that game and just did a phenomenal, I think he had like seven points, something like that. But, you know, every bucket, every minute, beauty uh, on the floor is a gift, especially when they're productive like that. But Haslam, as of a little bit earlier today, has also entered the health and safety protocols along with uh, Kyle Lowry. So the Heat will be without the two of them for, who knows, probably another week or two before they can clear that. Um, but yeah, without Haslam, Casey is already going to have to step up as a backup five. Now it's just going to be the question of, can we get Tucker back to, to kind of help with those KZ at the five minutes? Even if we don't, though, Omir, your seven, has looked good. I mean, it, who knows how long it would be until there's enough data to kind of, like, figure out what you do with this dude. And who knows if, how certain matchups, like certain smaller lineups, could exploit his size. I mean, we saw that a lot with Hassan Whiteside, where smaller teams would just space him out, um, just like they do with, with Gobert in the playoffs. You space him out, and you, you just run him around and play him off the floor that way. But still, right now, your seven is having a great positive impact on the game. Forgot to mention this as well. It's plus minus the last five games, seven plus 7.4. And then he also has a plus 17.6 net rating in those last five games. So he's helping on both ends of the floor. Defense primarily is like a body in the paint uh, and then a defensive glass cleaner. And then offensively, he's, he's you know doing the little stuff again, that we always wanted Hassan Whiteside to kind of do. Uh, but he's doing little stuff, set screens, dive, clean the glass, put do putbacks, things like that. So I I don't think it's a long-term solution. I don't know how long he has this in him. But it's impressive, again, just to see what Miami's development and scouting does with some of these players. Like, we kind of just take it for granted now, the, the shit that, like, Max Struess and Gabe Vincent are, are doing when they're, you know, being two, like, almost elite-level three-point shooters. And these were just two guys that Miami had on two-way contracts last year. And they were like, okay, these two seem good. And then, obviously, you have Duncan Robinson before that. So, yeah, Heat's development and scouting, it, it's just top tier. Um, oh, yeah, and that also extends to one of the players Miami got back from health and safety protocols, Caleb Martin, who, yeah, love his athleticism. It reminds me a lot of Derrick Jones Jr., 
from uh, years past, just that kind of like raw athleticism, not quite as hoppy, but still, you know, fills in a little bit of a similar role. Glad to have him back. And then, yeah, we have Hero back as well, then Butler back as well. So we're starting to get some of these bodies back. Unfortunately, new ones are like Deadman and Lowry and Haslam are having to exit to because of various things, but at least we're getting some bodies back as well so that we can try to start moving in the right direction. But really, I think what a lot of this comes down to is just how lucky that he are to have a coach like Eric Spolstra, who, though has not won a Coach of the Year award, usually is the kind of guy that'll end up on the ballot, like top five or something like that. Um, but yeah, this one, just the way that he has re-engineered this roster, essentially on the fly because of injuries, to go from what it was before kind of a grind it, smash it inside with enough three-point shooting to keep the floor spread, like what we were doing with Jimmy and Bam at the start of the year, to just on the fly going, okay, we're essentially going to do three and D, but as a team concept. Like, we're just going to grind it on defense as much as we can and then jack up a ton of shots on three and hope that it goes our way. And it worked. For the month of December since Bam went down, the Heat are 8-5. and five. During that time, they have been 6-3 and three pointer at the temps per game, but first in three-point percentage. So they're jacking up a lot of shots and a lot of them are going down as well. Uh, outside of that, oh yeah, because of that three-point shooting, it's why they're also, for the month of December, fourth in effective field goal percentage. And these are just feeding into both sides of the floor. Seventh offensive rating, seventh in defensive rating, fifth in net rating. This is a team that is missing half of their, has been missing half of their roster for the month of December, whether it's been health and safety, whether it's been legitimate injuries, players coming in and out. I mean, I just did a whole thing about players coming in and out of this rotation. And yet they have been fifth in net rating for the month, over 500 at eight and five. They are going to end the month at least at 500. They would have to lose the next three games for that to happen, but they they weathered the storm. And Spolstra, the changes he has had them do, yeah, the P.J. Tucker KZ minutes, uh, talking up Amir Yurt 7 to the point that this dude's now a glass cleaner, having Udonis Haslam come in as a backup center and crush it, just spreading the floor and just letting Vincent Struess, Hero, Lowry, Robinson just jack as many of them up. And it's all worked. And this is the kind of stuff that would be like the start of a coach of the year campaign. We'll like we'll have to see how the rest of the year goes once these players get back if Miami can continue to keep pace as they've been, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the year we're looking back at December and saying that is when Spoelstra took over the coach of the year race. But for now, his next challenge I think is going to be what he does reincorporating Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And um, shout out to uh, Locked On Heat because they were talking about this idea. I was listening to them and it's what got my brain kind of thinking about it. But um, they proposed, you know, kind of the, the central question to me and then what I dug into the most was what Spolstra does with staggering the minutes of Jimmy, Bam, and Lowry. So Typically, what he's done is he's done more of trying to stagger Jimmy and Lowry's minutes. That way, you always have a playmaker on the perimeter um, at all times. I think he should go the opposite way and more so stagger the minutes between Jimmy and Bam versus um, Jimmy and Lowry. And the the reasoning for that is just because of the irritating fact that Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo do not shoot threes 
if at all, and if they do, they're not terribly... Well, sorry, Bam does not, has not even taken them at all. His seems more like a confidence issue. Jimmy takes very little and does not shoot them very well. It has been a perplexing trend that... Like again, not not that Jimmy was ever a great three point shooter beforehand, but he was always a solid three point shooter. And then he came to Miami and he went off a cliff. It showed up sometimes in the playoffs, for the most part. Sorry, specifically the twenty twenty playoffs. It showed up a little bit there, but for the most part, it's just not a tool he uses uh, compared to how he used it before. So um, that's why, like for for me, the way that I view this is kind of like a, a threefold thing between Spo, Jimmy, and Bam. Spo, I think, needs to make the decision to go more with staggering the minutes between Jimmy and Bam, so that way it minimizes the amount of non-shooters on the floor. And if you have a situation where, like, Lowry and Butler are off, we can maybe get a chance to see what um, a Bam hero future lineup could look like. Let Bam be the primary playmaker and have four shooters around him. That sounds like super interesting to me, but it would also play into what Miami has discovered in this last month, which is they legitimately have one of the best three-point shooting collections in the league. They've done it all month, first in three-point percentage, while putting up a ridiculous amount of volume. That is like the ideal thing every team would want, and it would be a shame if Miami tried to pivot away from that to what they were going, what they were doing before, which is more so about middle of the league in attempts, still good efficiency, but middle of the league in attempts. I think they should be at least top ten for the rest of the year, or how, however we get there. But that's why I say stagger Jimmy and Bam, so that way you minimize the amount of non-shooters and you can keep the volume up. You don't need to be quite like forty-two plus attempts like they've been for this month. Maybe, but you also don't need to be thirty-five attempts like before. Maybe get something closer to like the thirty-eight to forty range instead. I think that that's a good balance. But the other thing, though, um, like I said, that's what I think Spo needs to do. So that way, you also have more Jimmy Lowry minutes because Lowry can space the floor with Jimmy, and that's going to give Jimmy more t- more room to operate. Conversely, you're going to have Bam with four shooters. He's going to have more room to operate. But the other part of this, I think, is on Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo themselves to also try to do a little bit to fit in. So we'll take Jimmy, for example. Jimmy Butler does not need to be some pull-up three-point shooter like Damian Lillard, Curry, or whatever. He just needs to be able to spot up. Like, literally, just have, have four spots on the floor, like one on each wing, one in each corner, and just be able to catch and shoot from those spots. Doesn't need it to be a, doesn't need to do it a ton. It could be you know three attempts a game. That's not you know too much, especially not compared to like Robinson or the others. But just what that would do for the spacing of the team, in addition to what it would do with the, with the way defenses defend Jimmy, which is they would have to close out on him on those catch and shoot situations. And yeah, it's it's Jimmy Butler. What do you think he's going to do? Oh, cool. You're actually having to close out on me now. I'm blowing right by you, and I'm either getting to the rim or I'm getting fouled. So I think it would help his game, and I think it would help the team a lot. And additionally, I would say the same thing for Bam Adebayo. Dwayne Dedman, over the last month, has taken at least one attempt a game, and it's helped with spacing out the floor just because it's a little bit of a threat for the defense. Bam, like we've seen him. He's got a solid shot. Hopefully with, with his uh, thumb fix now, the shot can work a little bit better because it was kind of shaky, you know, in the middle part of the of November. But he comes back. Just do one attempt a game, man. Just try to do something to keep the defense 
thinking about it, and the downside effects can be huge. Those are my hopes, though. We'll see. Maybe I should have called these like New Year's resolutions or something. All right. New Year's resolution for Spo is to stagger Jimmy and Bam versus Jimmy and Lowry. New Year's resolution for Jimmy, get a spot-up shooter and take at least three catch-and-shoot attempts a game. New Year's resolution, Bam Adebayo, just take a... Take a three at least once a game. Do the way Deadman does it. Grab the defensive rebound, throw it to Lowry. Lowry pushes the pace. You trail and try it at the top of the key. Just see what happens. Because, yeah, a team that all of a sudden Bam and Butler at least have, if they have respectable threes, as in, like, the defense has to at least take into account the possibility that they can damage them from three, this team goes up another level and... Yeah, those are the levels where you just walk your way to the title at that point. Real quick before we move on, though, just a quick look at the standings. I'm not going to go all the way down because it would take several weeks for, for any of that bad stuff to happen. But the relevant areas. So still the Nets by themselves at one um, in that still two to five range from before that are about these started about a game and a half back. And they go from um, the game and a half back to three and a half games back. So about two game separation between the four of them. Bulls, Bucks, Heat, Cavs. Again, for within those, Heat have a 2-0 lead on the Bulls, 2-1 lead on the Bucks with potential for ties. They're already in a 0-2 uh, hole against the Cavs. So they won't have that tiebreaker. So they need to get above them. But they're still staying within that second group, which is damn good considering all the injuries that they had, that they have not slipped out of that group and are still staying in the middle. Miami's currently three games back of the Nets, uh, for reference. Then there is a three-game separation to the six to eight seeds, which are all tied at six and a half games back of the Nets. So 76ers, Wizards, and Hornets. So yeah, the gap between the second group and the third group has widened a little bit since last week. With, whereas that second group has gotten a little bit closer to the Nets, but, you know, not much can really change in one week. Uh, then the last group to, to round out the play-ins, the 9 and 10 seeds, these are another game and a half back of the 6-8 uh, to eight seeds, so they start at 8 games back from the Nets. The two teams that are tied there are the Celtics and the Raptors. So it, still, like, it would still take several bad weeks um, for the Heat to drop down into like the play-in range, you know, like the six to eight or the nine to ten. But again, not even halfway through the season right now. But at this point, we, I'm pretty much just going to start monitoring week to week just to see how the changes are. To finish this up, though, let's take a look at the games Miami has coming up next week. And oh, the Heat got screwed. Five games in seven days, four of which are the start of a seven-game road trip. Thank you very much, Adam Silver. Always appreciate that. But, yeah, to start off with, though, we will have the end of Miami's four-game homestand. This will be their third meeting that they have with the Wizards, which as, have been, as, as has been a common theme this month, like with the Bucks and the Bulls. Uh, this is a game that is important because Miami faces this team four times this season. So currently they're tied 1-1 between the two of them. So the winner of tonight will, you know, at the very least, the worst case is they tie. So, yeah, we've seen this situation already twice this month uh, i guess third time if you count the Cavs, but we lost that one and we only played them three times digress um yeah first one's the wizards the rest of the games are all against western conference teams so season series doesn't really matter there because we don't go up against each other for conference at the end of the year but 
it's our first meeting with them, and I guess it's for fun points. Um, the Wizards, though, we'll start there. Yeah, a seventeen sixteen Wizards team. They're still hanging around in that six to eight range right now. Like I said, one one in the season series. This will be the sorry, in the last game that will will be played against the Wizards will be at Washington on February seventh. So a little bit of time for Miami to get healthy. So even in the worst case situation, if they lose this game, they should be able to tie it. But obviously, you want them to always want them to win. It just means that this game has a little bit extra at stake because of potential tiebreakers, both for the division, which then matters for other tiebreakers as well, but also for the overall tiebreaker of general record. Uh, the Wizards team, this is just a quick road game for them. They've been in between homestands. Uh, they last played on Sunday, so there's no like rest advantage or anything there. The one thing for Miami that... You know, evens the score because Miami is still obviously injured. The Wizards are missing several players, including Bradley Beal, Hachimura. Those are listed day to day. Contavious Caldwell Pope. Um, a lot of people for like health, safety, things like that. So they are like the Heat also depleted, but they are coming into Miami. And while the Wizards have been kind of sliding this month during their injury spell, the Heat have almost found a new identity. So I think because of the rough equality and injuries, that this is a solid win for Miami. It gives them a 2-1 lead. It makes them 4-0 at home before they go on what's going to be a rough road trip, and especially over the next week, which starts literally the next day of Wednesday. Yeah, back-to-back. Miami has to go right on the road immediately to the Spurs tomorrow. This is a Spurs team that's 14-19, and so they're not doing too great. Um, this will be the third game of their homestand. They... they you know, get tonight off, so they'll be rested as well. But they are missing their best player, Dejounte Murray, as well as um, another one, Collins, who I know fills a somewhat of a role for them. I, admittedly, I don't know too much about the Spurs, but with this being second out of a back-to-back, it, it is the Spurs. They are a well-coached team, even without their best player right now. I I think like this one's kind of a coin toss. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami loses that Spurs game's 50-50. After the Spurs, though, Miami at least gets Thursday off to rest, and then they're going to be at the Rockets on Friday. This is a Rockets team that's one of the worst in the West. Outside of a kind of bizarre win streak that they had happen, like end of November, early December, something like that, they've pretty much been a really bad team. Uh, this will be the second game of their homestand. They'll last played on Tuesday, so they'll have like Wednesday, Thursday off, so they'll be pretty well rested. But they are one of the teams that have been hit with COVID pretty hard, uh, missing several players because of it. Overall, because of the rest, I do think this is the game Miami can pick up and win like uh, solidly. This is a bad team. They're also pretty well injured. It'll be kind of like like Magic Pistons kind of thing. Like we're talking those level of competitions. They're so not quite not quite the most talented per se, but. It um, battle the scrap heap kind of stuff, and I think the, the Heat can solidly win that even even on the road. Then they will be at the Kings on Sunday, so they'll get Saturday off. So all right, we're getting a little bit of rest. But the Kings is another really bad Western team, thirteen and twenty one right now. But this is their sixth game of their homestand. They'll have last played on Friday, so they'll be not quite like super rested, but they'll been at home for a while, and then that has to count for some sort of additional rest. However, they are also currently missing five players with health and safety protocols. And given that Miami will you know, also have a, a night of rest off, um, and given who they have to then play the following night, 
I expect Miami to try to put um, a, a bit more sense of urgency against this Kings game and then to at least walk away with a solid win and see if they can get some of their key players some rest before going at Warriors the following Monday. This is the Warriors team that's 27-6, and six, league best. Uh, they are on a brief return home between road trips, so they might not be you know, as well rested as some of the other ones that they've played. Um, they will at least have a day off of rest Sunday. They would have last played Saturday. And, yeah, they also have Steph Curry. They are currently missing about half of their roster with some, like, key players like Iggy, Igadawa, Green, uh, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins. Um, they still got, obviously, Clay Thompson. But those are, a lot of them are health and safety. Those might change by next Monday, even if they don't, just because of the nature of, at this point, Miami will have played five games in seven days. That's a brutal, brutal part of the schedule. And all on the road, too, at this, well, aside from the Withers game, almost all on the road. But digress. Um, I, I don't think Miami's going to have the energy for this one, if I'm being honest, especially if, if the Warriors get some of their players back. I'm putting this one as, like, you know, at best 50-50, but probably a loss. You can't win them all. For Miami, the, the key, though, is just, again, always is just pick up the ones that you can win and then, you know, try to shoot for the ones, the, the other ones, like the Warriors, per se. But focus on ones like the Wizards tonight and then just trying to get, you know, one or two between Spurs, Rockets, Kings. If you get obviously you get them all great, but if you're gonna get at least the Wizards tonight and at least one of Spurs, Rockets, Kings, even if the even if you get smacked by the Warriors too, uh, it's still two three over the next week with the the big one having that tiebreaker over the Wizards now, and yeah, you just write it off as great. We got through a terrible week in our schedule, but that'll be all for this week's episode. Um, yeah. Be sure to follow me and the pod at Heaters Heating or myself at KBR Heat Nation on Twitter. And then also, if you can, check out the other great pods we got for some of the other teams or the league in general at OTG Basketball. Hoopsology is a really good one if you haven't checked that out. They have some pretty pretty good guests on there. Uh, but for now, I'll be back next week. Until then, stay heating and have a good one, Heat Nation.